This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. I worked at a radio station that held a big event at a local zoo. And one of the employees who was known to be a pretty big screw-up apparently got liquored up at this big event. The event was like for clients and really close people. It wasn't, you know, for a public event. It was like for clients and people that were close to the station. And one of the employees apparently got buttered up and buttered up or liquored up. I think he was probably liquored up. I think he was probably liquored up. And uh, started feeding liquor to the aardvark. This is, this is how the story lays out to me. That uh, It was told to me, secondhand, admittedly, that he feeds liquor to the aardvark. And you can imagine, but with a strict diet, the aardvarks that are on, and, you know, zoology and caring for the animals. They, the zoo people were pretty ticked at that. They got pretty upset about that. It could that. potentially present a problem. Yes, and okay. reflects poorly on the radio station as well. This guy had been screwing up year after year after year and still was not fired because of this event. He did not get fired because of this event. His boss would not fire him. Screw up after screw up after screw up. He fed liquor to the aardvark and still didn't get fired, which prompted another boss in the company to say to his boss, what does he have to do to get fired? Kill the general manager? Is that what he has to do to actually get fired? Now, I bring this up because this crosses my mind all the time. I mean, admittedly, that story was secondhand, but it still crosses my mind all the time. And I think about that line. What do they have to do to get fired? I think about it when it comes to public workers, when it comes to members of Congress, the president. What do they actually have to do to get fired? What does Hillary Clinton have to do to actually get fired? For the people to say, we've had enough of your nonsense. To get arrested, what does she have to do? I mean, you know all the scandals, the alleged scandals, the conspiracy theories regarding the Clintons. I mean, there's plenty of things there that you'd go, okay, that could be something that you could potentially go to jail for. But forget those, Skip. Think about the obvious things that they have done. What does she have to do to get arrested? I don't know at this point. For some reason, it seems like uh, the Clintons in particular seem to have this pass in terms of being able to do whatever they want. And their, their big key is just wait it out. Don't even talk about it. Don't mention it. Any questions asked about it, just wait it out. Deflect, and it'll eventually just pass. People forget. People have such a short attention span and memory these days. 
it's just as, as long as you can get through those first couple of days, weeks, months of the scandal, you're fine. You're what clear. does Hillary have to do to get arrested now? Seriously, what happened? She, so she meets with uh, the FBI for three hours over the weekend, and they talk to her about the email scandal, right? I mean, that's how this rolls out. Yeah. And then you have people like Sherrod Brown, the dirtbag senator from Ohio, and Cory Booker, the dirtbag senator from New Jersey, coming out and going, nah, she's not going to be arrested. There's no way. Nothing to see here. There's no problem here. Well, uh, first of all, how do they know? Is this them just trying to influence the public and public opinion and the FBI? Yeah. Or, or do they know something? Or are they just saying, nope, she's not going to be arrested? At this point, I think they're trying to influence public opinion, you know, because um, at the end of the day, I mean, regardless of where you stand on this sort of a scandal, yes, she should be arrested. No, she shouldn't. The FBI is actually, and the Department of Justice is investigating. So there is a there there, no matter how, uh, how you want to look at the scandal or how little you want to put towards the scandal, there is a there there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be investigating. I mean, this is Obama's Justice Department, the FBI. There has to be something there for them to at least pick up a finger and start. So Huma apparently was deposed in connection with the Freedom of Information Act request um, about... Hillary's emails and whatever, but it wasn't the FBI. It was because of a Freedom of Information Act request. And in this, she said that Hillary destroyed at least some of her schedules. She put them in the burn bag. Now, the burn bag is the official area or box or bag that they collect things that have to be destroyed, uh, sensitive information that would be destroyed. And she said she was directed on numerous occasions to put Hillary's schedule in the burn bag. I don't want anyone to know where I was at that time and on that day. That's what Hillary's saying. I don't want anybody to know what I was doing. Why would your schedule save a couple of extreme examples ever be private as a Secretary of State? I get ahead of time if you're going, I'm flying into a dangerous area, and I can't tell people that I'm going to be there because it could be a, you know, they could plan some sort of threat against me. But that's more about like schedules in the future as opposed to in the past. historic documents of what had happened. Right. It's, it's not a security mm-hmm. issue to find out that she was in Somalia or whatever. Not that I agree with it, but when the president had his people negotiating with Iran for the Iran deal, remember that was going on for a couple of years and we didn't know about it, which I think is wrong. Because in order for you and I to be good citizens and be active in our government, we have to have this information. But having said that, you could even make an argument that said, well, I don't want people to know that I was meeting with Iran yet because we're still working on the deal. So I'll delay that schedule for six months. Then you could see what I was up to. That's not what happened. Hillary Clinton said, I direct you to burn my schedule, to destroy any records of where I was and what I was doing at certain times. Why, I ask you, would you ever have to do that? I can come up with only one reason. Because you don't want people to know what you are doing because you are doing something improper. Is there any other reason? Folks, come on. Democrat, Republican, progressive, conservative, libertarian. Is there any other reason? And I challenge you Democrats today to stand up and start calling her out on this. This is wrong, and if you do not, you are part of the problem. Not because you vote for Democrats, not because you're progressive, because you are not holding accountable people that are running this government. If you don't do it, you are a bigger problem than Hillary Clinton. What does she have to do to get fired? Here's what Huma said. Huma said, if there, this is the official testimony she gave. If there was a schedule that was created 
that was her Secretary of State daily schedule, and a copy of that was put in the burn bag that, that certain, oh, oh, I'm sorry, um, she said it was put in the burn bag. That's how the whole thing lays out. Um, she said um, that it was put in the bag that certainly happened on, on more than one occasion. <clears throat> Again, if, if you're really trying to, to even be a devil's advocate here and, and explain some sort of a reason why this would be, I can't think of a legitimate reason why you would do that. I mean, even specifically, too, I mean, the concept of, of a burn bag. I, I guess, stupidly didn't even realize that there are documents that are on a regular basis burned. Destroyed. This, I mean, I understand even shredding or whatnot, but no, there's, I mean, is there like a, a barrel out back that's constantly going with a fire? I don't know how they destroy it nowadays, but at one point it was burned. They may still burn it. It's, it's referred to historically as the burn bag now. You know, the, the area we collect stuff that's going to be destroyed. Maybe, maybe so. Why would her schedule be a part of it? Let me, let me put it another way for you. Hillary Clinton, do you remember her excuse for having the, um, the security on the server, her, her own server? It was easier for her, more easier simple. Easier for her, whatever. With no regard to the law, history, or national security, because that was an unsecure server. It was not done from the government, right? Hillary put it up herself. It was unsecure, right? Yeah. Okay, so she's saying what? That her information, her schedule is of such a national security issue that she has to destroy it, yet she had her own server, which was unsecure. How do you have both of those? They don't add up. It's not consistent. The only reasonable explanation for both of those things to say, I want my own private server, which is not secure. I'm not concerned with security. And to say, I want my schedule burned can be only one thing. She was hiding something improper, illegal, immoral, some sort of troubling behavior. Something she didn't want someone else to know. Right. That's the only reason you have those two things. See, those things are inconsistent with each other. If you're going to cling to national security as a reason you have your schedule destroyed, then why did you have your own private server? If your own private server is so, if you're so cavalier about it, you're not worried about, you know, secure information on it or whatever. And we knew, we know now secure information was, you know, in those emails and via her, her private server. Then why would you destroy, destroy your schedule after the fact for national security? The only thing you can cling to about having your schedule destroyed is for national security. And even that is pretty loose. But that all goes out the window when you have your own private server. These things do not add up. So I ask you again, what does it take for Hillary Clinton to be arrested? What does it take for the American people to stand up and say, I've had enough, you are fired, we are done here? What does it take? If Hillary Clinton is able to navigate this latest scandal and not be arrested navigate and actually become president of the United States, that is the indicator we have completely lost control, that it's done. And then it's just a matter of ride it out to the end until the whole thing collapses around us. You cannot have that level of corruption go on for so many years. And this is just the latest. This doesn't account for everything else that she's been involved in over the years. We've, we've lost it at that point. 
I want to get your take on something, though, and I'm going to open up the phone lines, 888-727-BECK. The number is 888-727-BECK if you want to join us. It's Doc and Skip in for Glenn Beck today. Here's what I want to know. If you're frustrated about Hillary Clinton possibly becoming president, as I am, because I am just incensed by this now, what would be the best case scenario for you, personally, selfishly? (laughs) What, What would you like to see happen? I'm serious. I'm so ticked off at this. Let's just dream a little, shall we? Let's just dream a little. What do you want to see happen? What things would happen and make you go, ah, boy, that's, that's good. Do you want to see her arrested? You want to see her on the perp walk? You want to see her stay on trial? You want to see her to go to the big house? What do you want to see happen? And what's the time frame on that? Hillary Clinton has dreamed her entire life about being president of the United States. That's her big goal, right? That's her dream. To deny her that would be pretty powerful. That would be sad. That would be wonderfully satisfying. Much like we denied Eric Cantor his ability, his lifelong dream to be Speaker of the House, it would be satisfying personally to see Hillary Clinton denied the presidency. How, though? Just not get elected? Would that be good enough for you? Or do you want to get her, see her get elected, and then moments before she's sworn in, they handcuff her, take her away, and she's forced to resign? See, I think that's better. I think that's good. I think that's a better scenario. That, that way she's the first woman elected president. <laughs> is it actually inaugurated? That's she close. will forever have that asterisk at the end of her name and the Wikipedia entry for first woman elected. What, what would be the best case scenario for you? 888-727-BECK. I'm going to get a break in. We'll come back with some of your calls. 888-727-BECK. Doc and Skip in for Glenn today. <laughs> The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Beck. Welcome back. It's Doc and Skip pinch hitting for Glenn Beck today. Thanks so much for joining us. You can join us on the phone, 888-727-BECK. It's 888-727-BECK. Or on Twitter. We're really active on Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show. You can follow me there if you would, please. Or at Skip Lacombe. We're going to use the hashtag what I learned today. If you learn things throughout the program, please let us know. Um, we're regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network, and that's what we do throughout our program uh, in the morning is hashtag what I learned today. But we're also going to be using hashtag uh, overheard on Loretta's plane today. What was overheard on Loretta's plane as she hung out with Bill Clinton for 20, 25 minutes? What, what type of things were overheard? So apparently Bill Clinton not only joined Loretta Lynch on her plane, but he delayed his departure from Sky Harbor International Airport in Phoenix to meet her. Skip, think about this. The husband of a person who's being investigated by the attorney general's office delayed his departure by half hour, hour, I don't even know how long it was, in order to meet her, then went in a private setting 
aboard her plane, and they had a conversation for 20, 25 minutes. And I'm expected to believe from people like Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch that it had nothing to do with Hillary's investigations. They just talked about grandkids, Skip. Bull. Does Loretta Lynch not have a phone? Does Bill not have a phone? I mean, it is 2016 at this point. There are other ways to communicate. Yeah, exactly. Why, why would it have required? Wow. Why would it have required Bill Clinton to actually delay his flight, board her private plane, and have a 20-minute meeting? Now, so, if they were just catching up on golf scores and grandkids. Yeah, because that's what he said. It was, he talked about golf that he golfed in uh, Phoenix. Because you know Loretta Lynch cares about that. So, Bill, did you get some golf in? Good. I was really worried you weren't going to get any golf in when you were out campaigning for Hillary. You know, but you got some in. Good. How are the grandkids? Wonderful. That's uh, a four-minute conversation. They're on board 20, 25 minutes. It never comes up. And that was not Bill's goal whatsoever. He was just so enamored with Loretta Lynch that he decided to delay his flight to meet her. Again, he couldn't set up another time. He has her phone number. He knows where to get it. Hey, I'm going to be in D.C. next week. Maybe we grab a bite to eat. I've always wanted to meet you. None of that. It's while his wife is being investigated, and he has a private conversation. Again, emails, text messages, there's going to be a, uh, a way to trace those. According to uh, some insiders, some people that were close to this, they said that Loretta did not know that he was planning this. This was Bill really pushing the issue. He got word to her, and she was being cordial and said, yeah, come on, let's chit-chat or whatever. But he had no intention of, nor did the topic of Hillary's investigations come up. There is no way I can believe that. This has nothing to do with disliking Bill Clinton, his policies, the fact that Hillary's a progressive, Loretta Lynch's progressivism, has nothing to do with that. I'm sorry, that is crap. And anyone who believes that is either delusional or simply carrying water for these people. Of course that's what he's doing, and of course it's wrong. And I ask you again, what do they have to do to be arrested? We'll get some of your calls coming up. But Skip, lay out your best case scenario for Hillary Clinton. What do you uh, want to see happen that you personally would enjoy watching her, her fail? Either, either being arrested just before the election so she wouldn't actually have the opportunity to be elected mm-hmm. or just prior to the inauguration. See, I'm not sure if I even want her to get the status of first woman elected, even if she weren't inaugurated. Um, somewhere in between there, I think, is probably the best scenario. So, like, days before the election, and the polls have her 90% to Trump's 10%. I mean, she is, it is yours, Hillary, there's no question. All you have to do is not die, and you're there. And then, uh, Mrs. Clinton, yeah, put your hands behind your back, sorry. And she is forced to completely bail on it. Here's another potential problem, though, is even if she is um, indicted and arrested days before the election, you know what could happen. She could still get elected. President would pardon her, too. President could pardon her. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that could happen. None of this is good. None of it is good. All right, let's go to some phone calls. Let's go to uh, Jane in Louisiana. How are you? Hi, hey, Jane. Uh, Jamie. Uh-huh. Hey, Janie. Hi. I think she should be relocated to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> relocated? How do we pull that yes. off? We just well, uh, strip her citizenship? That's a good idea. That's a good one. All right. Would that would that would that give you the most joy if she actually left the country? Yes. Now, how about the election? Do you want it? Would you want to see her elected and not get inaugurated, or not even get elected and fail that close to it? 
not not even get elected. I'm would just saying. Would that would that bring you the most joy to know that she got so close to what she's always wanted that she was willing to lie, cheat, steal, whatever to do it and still missed, right? I suppose, yeah. Just as uh, long as she's not elected. As long as she's not elected. All right, you don't even want that in the record books. All right, more of your calls coming up. 888-727-BECK. Doc and Skip in for Glenn today. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe, regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network weekday mornings. If you want more information on us, go to theblaze.com slash doc. In for Glenn today and tomorrow. We're using the hashtag on Twitter, of course, what I learned today, but also hashtag overheard on Loretta's plane. What do you think if you were, you know, a Secret Service agent, one of the, the worker bees with them, what was overheard from her plane? We've got a lot of people actually suggesting some things from a George uh, hashtag overheard on Loretta's plane. I'd like to offer you a new possession. Position? Yes. Uh, inseparable. Position kind of works. Yeah, it actually too. does work. Uh, inseparable also tweeting, we've got to delay the plane. The Viagra hasn't kicked in. I, I was going to get a hashtag overheard on Loretta's plane. Something like, uh, here, put the put on this blue dress and beret. Ooh. I don't know, something like that. Maybe, That's possible. Maybe. That'd be an easy one to get you. All right, to the phones we go. Let's go to Pennsylvania. And Cindy, you're on the Glenn Beck program. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Okay, best case scenario as Hillary goes down in flames. I mean, anytime she's going down in flames would be good, but what is the best scenario for you? What do you want to see the spectacle? What spectacle do you want to see? I want to see her make it all the way to the convention, <laughs> get called as the nomination, <laughs> get all the way up on that podium, right, right. and then up. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, I'm, la- I'm just laughing. That's. Oh, well, and then I want to see a bunch of, I guess, federal officers <laughs> march in and handcuff her in front of everybody <laughs> and lead her out of the building. That would be pretty funny. That would be really solid. You know who else wants to see that? Bernie Sanders. He also. <laughs> you know what? I would take him over her <laughs> any you know day. What? You know what, Cindy? As uh, it, bizarre as it sounds to say that I would take an admitted socialist, at least he's admitted, Right. He's honest. He's honest. He, well, I'm sure he has some underhanded stuff they all seem sure. to, but, you know, um, I'm sure his record <laughs> isn't as long as hers. You got you a know. great point. That's a great point, Cindy. Thanks so much for the call. All right, let's go to North Carolina. And Dustin, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Hi there. Hello. How you doing? Good. How are y'all doing? Good. Um, I had a theory about her being arrested. And okay. the only way that I feel like Hillary Clinton could be arrested would be having her overheard, um, like admitting to a um, an order that she was given dishonestly or something captured on film or you know oh. audio. Or her talking about Benghazi. That's mm-hmm. what I would love to hear. Somebody bug something 
and get her admitting about Benghazi and doing her dog bark laughing, and then the <laughs> Patriots come in, hood her, and throw her in a van, they could disappear. Okay, you're right. Being arrested at a certain time, that's part of it. But if you also had better documentation, more obvious documentation, admitted failures, violations of the law or something, you're right. That would be even better because then you'd, you'd have more proof to offer people, right? Yes. Something with her actually admitting is the only way because even if Obama did pardon her, if she was arrested, the American mm-hmm. people would hold them accountable if we had visual or audio of her right. doing something dishonest. That's really good. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the call. All right, Skip. So she's starting his conversation about Vince Foster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? That's not going to end well for her. <laughs> Let me tell you about Vince Foster. And it ends with Benghazi, right? You're, you're yeah. in there. That would be really, really solid. All right, let's go to North Carolina. And Lloyd, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Hi there. Hey, how you doing? Uh, first time caller. Love the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you joining us today. Um, I just got out the military about four months ago. Never really had a political uh, stance on pretty much anything. It was all plug and play. Well, now that I'm out, I'm hearing all this. And this is insane. It doesn't even sound real. Like, are you serious? Accountability. Everyone's using that word, throwing it around, but it's it's a real thing. Like, I spent the last eight years accountable for everything. So why couldn't and why isn't she being held accountable? So it's a process, though. We're not going to see all the ins and outs, but, I mean, there has to be some kind of something, you know, some kind of outcome. No, Lloyd, you're you're absolutely right. Do you realize, Lloyd, people are being held more accountable for a word that they would use that is perceived to be offensive to people? I mean, you've got celebrities that will go down in flames if they and get fired, lose their future. Any opportunities in the future if they use the wrong term because that could be offensive. Meanwhile, you've got politicians, both Democrats, Republicans, left, right, that are doing all kinds of horrible things, maybe even responsible for deaths. They're not held accountable. So who do we vote for? Well, that's a big, you know, I I don't, I I still don't know. Like I have have a younger brother who's a libertarian. He explained the whole ins and outs of libertarianism. Really cool stuff. Got it. I understand. But what's that doing right now like what's what's going on right now like what where's the bigger picture so i'm not democrat republican i'm i'm neither nor none right no one's really impressing me no one's really talking to me we could talk policies all day long we could talk about the homeless all day long but as a veteran mm-hmm. yeah coming home and and seeing this it's like when did i leave the war well lloyd okay let's look this way look talk about accountability Each and every day, we know the lowest, on average, number of veterans that commit suicide, 22. It could be as high as 70 on average a day because they mess with the numbers. There are still incredibly long wait times. People are still dying because the Veterans Administration has not been fixed. It has never been fixed for 240 years, even in predecessors prior to the official Veterans Administration, the Veterans Bureau, and other things further back. Veterans have always been treated this way. Where is the accountability Instead, we're more worried about saying certain terms. You've got people dying, and they're not held accountable. To not to not bash, because I don't want to bash the VA, because, I mean, they have, like, I mean, I've been to the one here where I'm at, and it looks like the DMV. I mean, it's ridiculous, but, I mean, it's, it's a high volume, so I understand. Sure. I, I understand, so I'm giving them some leeway. However, yes, there needs to be a little more just 
overall accountability. But thank you guys for, t- for taking my call. I really appreciate it. All right, Lloyd. Lloyd thanks, thanks for your service, Lloyd. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, he brings up a good point. Lloyd, I would say your solution has to be in your heart. You, ha- you have to find the right solution. You have to find the right person. And that's different for every person, It is too. different. Some people are like, Doc, I absolutely cannot vote for Hillary Clinton. Therefore, I must vote for Donald Trump because I can't take any chance that she would get elected. And that's fine. I don't agree with that, but I understand it. Yeah. I mean, there is some logic. I've just moved beyond that, and I'm not playing that game anymore. We've debated this for the last, I don't know, four or five presidential elections on the air because we've had these progressives that keep being put up by the Republicans. And I've said it before. I'm not responsible for who gets elected. I'm responsible for my one vote. I'm not playing pundit when I go into that booth. I'm going to vote for the person that I want to serve as president of the United States, whoever that is. And I will no longer take the lesser of two evils or five evils or anything else. Because most of the people on both the the Democrat stage and the Republican stage during those debates are evil. They were wrong. They have the wrong ideas. And this goes beyond the wrong philosophies even. You've got people that are actually probably criminals like Hillary Clinton. I believe she is. So who do you vote for? You vote third party or you write somebody in. That's not a wasted vote. I'm tired of hearing that, that narrative. You vote for the person that you want to be president Let the chips fall where they may. We cannot control everything and have a little bit of faith that even when, I'm going to say if, even when it likely is going to get worse, that eventually it may slip enough where some good will come out and people will wake up. That's what you have. Yeah, the whole narrative of a wasted vote infuriates me. I've never been more proud of casting a vote than when I vote for somebody who I actually want to be president, not the person who is... Uh, uh, won the nomination for a party. I didn't vote for McCain. I didn't vote for Romney either. I mean, I didn't vote for Obama. But I cannot support, the, like you said, the lesser of two evils. I can't do it anymore. So I, I know it's a tough, uh, a tough decision to make. But if you're starting off early and can learn this, in fact, if more of people my age or a little bit older had realized what, what Lloyd is realizing now, that yeah. I can't vote for either one of these two, if they'd realized that 30 years ago, we'd probably be in, in a completely different place now. We would, because that's, that's the accountability right there. You're not holding them accountable if you say, well, I got to vote for this person because that person's horrible. That's not accountability. That's, that's a mulligan. The person you're voting for gets a mulligan. They, they get the the advantage of the other person being so horrible. That's not the standard we're supposed to look for. That's not what Americans are about. That's not what we would accept in our person. Would you accept that at a restaurant? Use that scenario. Well, I can't go to that place. I mean, people are dying. The last uh, dozen people that ate there got botulism and died. I can't go there. I'll go to this place where only four people have died. Because I can't go to that one. Look, people are dying. I'll go to this place where lesser people have died. A lot more have been sick, but not as many are dying, so I'll go there. When else would we accept that? Right? I mean, no, absolutely. would you accept it in your sports teams? Well, and, well, and the concept, too, of a, of a two-party system being able to accurately represent 319 million people Ridiculous. is asinine. No. Ridiculous. The, 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 there's not 50% of the people who believe this and 50% who believe this. There are so many uh, gradients of gray in between there. All right, I'm going to get a break in here, back with more of your calls. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at Doc Thompson Show, and at Skip Lacombe, still using the hashtag overheard on Loretta's plane. We'll get to those coming up as well on this, the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck Program. 888 back Mercury. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe in for Glenn today. We're just speculating what would be the best case scenario to happen to Hillary Clinton. Like what I would enjoy or what you would enjoy the most. You know, seeing her elected but not get the presidency, not elected. I mean, and then arrested. You know, what part of it would just give you personal satisfaction? See, if she doesn't get elected and Trump does, I also still lose. But at least I would get that satisfaction. Now, I was talking to the crew and one of them suggested, hey, how about this? How about she... uh, she gets indicted, they, they arrest her, they're going through the charges, and Obama refuses to pardon her. And just is like, well... Here's the thing, I don't know, national oh, security. Let me think about it, let me get back to you. The calls go unanswered, right? Come on, Barry, come on, I'm counting on you. Imagine how, and then Bill out there doing the circuit, I don't know why he hasn't pardoned her, he knows nothing happened here, right-wing conspiracy, right? Oh, that would be gold, too. That would be fun. All right, back to the calls. Let's go to Jack in Pennsylvania. How are you, Jack? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for taking my call today. Thanks for calling. Best case scenario, what do you want to see happen to Hillary through this whole process? I'd like to see her get her (laughs) clock cleaned in the elections. (laughs) Okay. Okay, because if she wins wins and then uh, gets arrested, uh, wouldn't her vice president then be in charge? Yeah, I think that's how it would play out. She would have to, I guess, resign or something, I mean, until she was indicted and then impeached. Yeah, I guess. Through that. So probably the party would say you got to resign. So, yeah, it'd be her VP pick then, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's why I'd like to see her get her clock cleaned in the election and then get arrested there. But then take her to jail right before the holidays. <laughs> the holidays. All right, Jack, thanks. I For me, there's got to be some sort of perp walk, too. There's got to be a long perp walk. So you got to arrest her someplace where they lead her out, where there's no, like, easily waiting car. Okay. Like, through the conventions. No, that would be, <laughs> like that would be nice. The long perp walk. Well, it's almost like, too, like, when, uh, when certain famous people die, they'll leave their body in, in, what, in, in state. state. In state, it lies in kinda state. Kind of like, we, some sort of a tour where Hillary just travels around. Her political career lies in state. Could, like, throw rotten apples at her. I miss the 1600s. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, if you're aware of uh, what's been going on with some of the flooding uh, across the country, but uh, parts of Texas and, and the South have been hit really hard with floods. And then uh, a week ago, uh, parts of West Virginia got hit particularly hard with floods. Uh, many people have died. Many people are without homes. They've lost everything that they have. And for many of those people, they didn't have much to begin with. Skip and I have teamed up with Mercury One, and we've been trying to, to help as much as we can. Um, they, they set up a fund in particular for the, the folks in West Virginia. Of course, Mercury One has helped the people in Texas and all across the country with other funds as well. But if you would, please go to mercuryone.org and, and give something if you can. $5, $10, whatever will help. We have a goal of 100000 and since uh, late last week, we've already uh, reached a third of that. So we're just over $33,000. Um, we really hope to get up to that $100,000 goal and then we've got some other ideas we're going to be working on in the next couple of days to help the people of West Virginia. You've got to understand, <clears throat> southeastern West Virginia is particularly depressed. It's, if you go along the eastern part of West Virginia and western Virginia, that's, that's Appalachia, America. These are people that already have very little. And then they are hit with this flooding and have lost so much. And then the opportunity to... To, to work and grow and get out of that their, themselves has been diminished as well because a lot of businesses have been impacted. So you take an economically depressed area where people are automatically poor and you 
take a lot of stuff for them because of the the storms. They, they've lost stuff. And then you say, oh, and by the way, a lot of you, um, you're not going to have your job. And the economy is going to be hit because those businesses don't have people come in buying stuff. It is, it's just devastating to Kanawha County, uh, Greenbrier County, where the Greenbrier Hotel is located. Um, it's, it's incredible to see how many people have died in the pictures of, of areas that have just become lakes. And, and the, the homes and cars and stuff floating down the rivers. Did you see those pictures? Uh, just smashed like toys. I mean, pieces it's of lumber. Amazing. Your fellow Americans are suffering today. And if you would, please give whatever you can. Go to mercuryone.org. Mercuryone.org. And I'm going to do everything I can to help the people in West Virginia. If all goes well in the coming weeks and months, we're going to have a couple of really big things. In fact, I'm already in touch with the, uh, the Greenbrier Hotel in Greenbrier County. And uh, hopefully some good will come out of that as well. But if you would, please do your part. Mercuryone.org. And remember, 100% of your donation goes to help those people. That's what Mercury One does. They don't take any administrative fees. That's all handled separately by Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Skip in for Glenn today. We'll be with you tomorrow as well. Thanks so much for joining us. If you want to find out more about us, you can check out the Blaze Radio Network. Just go to theblaze.com slash doc and you'll get information about us and listen to our program on demand anytime. It's absolutely free. Just go to theblaze.com slash doc. If you want to hear about the rest of the Blaze Radio Network, it's theblaze.com slash radio. Absolutely free. Check it out anytime. Uh, Before the break, we were talking a little bit about West Virginia and uh, trying to raise some money for the area. The Greenbrier Hotel is located in Greenbrier County, West Virginia. And if you're not familiar with it, the Greenbrier Hotel has had something like like 22 presidents stay there. At one point, this was very exclusive and very upscale. This was the hotel that had a congressional bunker underneath it built in the 1950s, I believe it was, 40s or 50s. So in the case of a nuclear attack, that the members of Congress would have a place to convene. And it's a fascinating story. It's an amazing story that um, you can even take a tour of the bunker now because it's obsolete. I think they uh, finally opened it up and admitted to it in the 90s. And it was hidden in plain sight. People walked in and out of this bunker all the time. There was a big blast door that's hidden behind a facade. And they said this was a convention space because there's a lot of people having conventions in southeastern West Virginia. You know, you got Vegas, New York, southeastern West Virginia. It's right there, you know, right underneath it. But they're the main convention floors where they would all meet then together. But anybody that was paying attention, there's two side rooms, meeting rooms. One of them seats 100 and the other seats 435. 
<laughs> so, like some odd numbers to go ahead and select from your convention. <laughs> right, exactly. Interesting stuff. We could have done 500, but we thought, no, we're going to go and keep it to 435. Right. Uh, the Greenbrier Hotel is a palace, uh, five-star. Um, they've got uh, multiple golf courses there that are also a PGA stop. Part of the problem is it's one of the largest employers in the region, and because of the flooding, they had to cancel their recent PGA, PGA stop, so that impacts everybody. Uh, Jim Justice, the owner, kind of rescued the hotel a few years ago, and they passed gambling, so you can gamble there now, and um, turned the whole thing around. They were laying people off. He increased the number of employees, and it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful place. Um, but my father had grown up around there. He, he grew up in Elkins, West Virginia, and he spent summers there with his grandparents uh, at the, uh, right at the, um, I think it's when the Greenbrier River and the Spring Creek come together. It's an old logging town called Spring Creek, which is now gone. And he had told me for years about this, this congressional bunker underneath there. And I was like, what are you talking about, crazy old man, you and your conspiracy theories? And it turned out it was, it was true. So I have a special fondness for that area. I uh, spent uh, my honeymoon at the Greenbar Hotel. I've been there before. My father's from the area, as I said. So when I saw how this was impacted, it really touched me. And my father just passed away a few months ago. So... It's kind of on my mind. I'm a little more sensitive to that stuff right now. He wrote a poem about the West Virginia motto, which is Montani Semper Libri, which is uh, the mountains are always free. It's the mountain state. And I tweeted out the last verse, a picture right from his, his binder, his notebook that he stored the stuff in. And uh, you can see the last verse out or whatever. But if you're interested, he went by the um, pen name Bat Holiday. And Holiday was his, his mother's maiden name. The holidays in that region are, are pretty prominent. Honickers and Boons and, and the Morgans, these were all family names that were related to. But if you would, check it out. And please consider donating to Mercury One, mercuryone.org. Uh, it's something that it's going to be more of a push of mine in the coming months on mine and Skip's program as well, just because it means so much to me. Um, we've been driven more and more recently to try to help people anyway, and I think this is a pretty good start with Mercury One. MercuryONE.org, if you would, please give and, uh, and help us out, if you would. By now, you've probably heard the term microaggression. Skip Lacombe, what is a microaggression? A microaggression is something that can trigger one person to a certain response, but it's... So you mean like a gun where somebody you're afraid... And... No, no, it's much more menial things. These are things that, I mean, admittedly... Well, like, so you threaten, you, you, you claim that you're going to shoot me with a gun. No, no, not even me. that. That's a pretty serious... Aggra- that's so more that of a, a macro. Aggression? That's a macroaggression. Okay, okay, okay. What so is the microaggressions is... Uh, for instance, uh, uh, not referring to somebody by their preferred gender pronoun. Uh, so if I identify as a he and you refer to me as she. Yeah, that's a microaggression. So I'd be pretty ticked off at that. Or, or any, any menial thing that you could okay. do throughout your day. And I mean, it, admittedly, I'm not, I'm not <clears throat> diminishing their term of microaggressions. They would say it's the, it's the small aggressions. The right, it's a microaggression. Small things that will go after somebody to, uh, to hurt their feelings. Right. Uh, we're going to run down some examples of this because this is, just keeps coming up more and more and more now with the, the microaggression. We had the University of, I think, North Carolina uh, last week list their microaggressions for employees. By the way, that's all been taken down from their website. Really? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, the update on the story is, and you go to theblaze.com and check out the story for yourself, but I'll give you the thumbnail here. They had, had posted, or somebody had taken a screen grab, and then it linked to 
I think it was an employee portal, something for people that work at the University of North Carolina. And it showed some of the microaggressions. And it's the same stuff. It's, oh, wishing somebody a Merry Christmas when you don't know if they're Christian or not. They might be Jewish or Buddhist or something. And then that's this microaggression. Or uh, referring to uh, somebody as, oh, your husband said, well, you don't know if she has a husband. She might be a lesbian. Right? These are the microaggressions. And it listed all of these things and cautioned the people there. Well, at first, they just made the site private or took it down. Then they did the other. And at first, it was like, oh, we just, you know, people got the wrong impression. And then a spokesperson came out and said they did it because they had death threats. Death threats? Yeah, I think that's what the website Is that a microaggression, too? I think that's a macroaggression. Okay, macro. I think that is a whatever. That's the confusing thing for me. I can't Mm -hmm. keep them straight. Yeah, so we've poo-pooed in the past this idea of microaggressions. Um, we've said, hey, you should be concerned with macroaggressions. I mean, I'm not so concerned about the microaggressions. In fact, I'll just go ahead and tell everybody around here that I work with even, I'm pretty cool with the microaggressions. I'm okay with that. If you can steer clear of the macroaggressions against me, I'm going to go ahead and give you a pass on the micro ones. Because, see, I'm prioritizing. Something we don't seem to be able to do in today's world is prioritize. I mean, you want to talk first world problems, <clears throat> microaggressions? <laughs> Take a look at some of the crap that's happening around the world in other countries. Okay. Uh, Bangladesh. Yeah. There was an attack over the weekend, right? And some people uh, died. A couple. So, a, f- a few mm-hmm. died, yeah. I wonder if their families are like, okay, I know John was killed in that explosion. I went to the grocery store today, and somebody asked me how my husband was doing. They don't know if I'm a lesbian or not. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, you think they're doing that today? Yeah, if your life is so good that you actually have room in your day and room in your life to complain about somebody referring to their girlfriend, simply because you're a gay person or a transgender, whatever, your life is so good that somebody talking about their girlfriend or boyfriend is, is a slight against you. I wonder if the people in the Pulse nightclub, those that were shot, saw people shot, friends killed or whatever, as they ran out of that club that night, is maybe even, you know, trying to survive the next couple of days with the stress, or the, per- the physical injuries they suffered, if they were like, you know, I was at a club and they shot the place up, but damn it, these microaggressions of people wishing me a Merry Christmas when they don't know if I'm a Christian or not. Do you think that's what they were concerned about? Your life First is world good. problems, you're not prioritizing. And that's what I've been thinking for months since, well, in the last couple of years since this term has been floated more and more. And then I started thinking... Maybe just maybe we've gotten it wrong. Maybe there's something to it. I mean, these people are really bothered by it. These people that are bothered by microaggressions that use the term, right? So they're, they're concerned about it, right? Hey, Skip, you wish me a Merry Christmas and I'm Buddhist. You know, bother me a little bit. Do you, do you want to bother me? Do you want to hurt people's feelings, Skip? Is that part of who you no, are? No, of course not. Nor do I. I don't set out intentionally exactly. to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, and they're being hurt by this. So... Maybe we accept that these people are really bothered. They're very sensitive people. Can I say that? Is that a microaggression? Honestly, yeah, that probably is. What about if I call them... Uh, you can't identify them at all. There's, can there's, I say wusses? No. There's nowhere you can go Early there that you're going to get away with that. Sissies? I mean, all of those are accurate, but <laughs> okay, they're all microaggressions okay, as okay, well. Okay, so I was going to say sensitive people. Okay. Mm. People bothered by microaggressions. They have concerns, and I don't want to bother them. So I'm proposing from here on out, when you hear the term microaggression, 
When somebody suggests, hey, that was a microaggression, maybe at your place of employment, they say, here's the list of microaggressions. I think we now have to set the proper response. And the proper response is a a micro-apology. A micro-apology. How does that work? Just a real small one. You know, like, okay, Skip, let's say um, I didn't pay you that money I owed you. I said something really offensive. I punched you the other night. We're drunk, whatever. And I come out and I go... Skip, I'm really, really sorry what I did. I was, I was drunk. I didn't know. I shouldn't have stole the money. What can, I mean, that's a, that's a macro apology. I'm going big with this thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I take some time. I really get the person. A micro apology is like, hey, sorry. And just walk off. Just walk off, something like that. Okay. Or maybe a, um, I'm sorry you're so sensitive. It's a micro apology. All right. That's almost like a backhanded apology. You know? I call it a micro apology. Something like that. All right. Or, um, Maybe micro-concern. We give these micro-aggressions micro-concern. So they sit you down and they're like, skip around the office here. You know, we have a policy, no micro-aggressions. And some of your coworkers have pointed out some of your micro-aggressions. You You would respond with micro-concern. So your response would be something like, yeah, cool. Got it. Got it and walk out. All right. All right. I mean, we always say, like, like the punishment has to fit the crime, you know, too. I think it's true that the apology should... uh, That's what I'm uh, saying. ...slide it. We've been getting upset about the term microaggressions because it seems so silly because they're not prioritizing when all they're really saying is by virtue of the fact that it is micro and they admit that, it just deserves a a micro response. Ignoring them would be a micro response, wouldn't it? I guess, yeah. I guess so. It's a small response. What is your response? (laughs) <laughs> walk away right how about this how about this eh, throw your hands up that's a micro response to that's it true. i have micro concern about your microaggressions, and i will respond with uh, a micro concern and in the extreme a micro apology that's it i i think you should take this to your uh, your human resources that they have you do this in fact you know what if I have to attend any more of your little sensitivity trainings, my attendance will be a micro-attendance. He'll attend. I'll attend for, like, the roll call, but maybe, then I'm going to leave right after maybe, that. Yeah. Maybe, because they know say how small the micros are, right? I mean, micro could be, could any, be level, vir- yeah. any level, virtually non-existent. So uh, my attendance will be a micro-attendance for your conference on microaggressions. I think that's the proper uh, way to handle this now. Under, under the way they're laying this out, though, mm-hmm. couldn't literally... Anything you do or say be construed to someone in some way as yes. a microaggression. And in the past, I have suggested the only way that you will not be offended is if you are not offended. That's the only, the only guarantee. You cannot pass enough laws, restrict people's speech enough, their actions enough to ensure that nobody will ever be offended. It's just impossible to do that. There is only one way that you can ensure that you are personally never offended, and that is to never be offended. Pretty simple. I mean, you are the one to control that. So beyond that, my suggestion is we respond in the micro response. You've already said it's micro, so just proper micro responses in the future. Yeah. How is that? Is that a good plan? I think so. I think they may, may get, I think they may, they may respond not in a micro way to your micro response to their micro con- aggression concerns. How would they respond? I think in a macro way. Macro I way? think it's going to go big. I think, yeah. And then you could say, hey. So why are you ratcheting up? Microaggression, micro-response, and then a macro-response to my micro-response. Right? Couldn't somebody who is um, 
someone like you and I who are frustrated at this whole concept of microaggressions, <laughs> couldn't we take the fact that people are offended by microaggressions as a microaggression? Yes, we could. I gotta tell you, yes. I'm actually I'm actually offended mm-hmm. that uh, our society has has devolved in such a way that this is what people are concerned about. That actually, I feel like that's an aggression towards me. I feel confident that they would offer you uh, some sort of micro consolation. What I think they're I don't know, but some sort of micro consolation. It would be very small, whatever it is. Here's the interesting thing about the microaggressions, and there are several stories you can check out at theblaze.com about this. This term was coined in 2010. It may go back further than that, but it really got, it came to prominence because of a book that was written by a uh, guy, Dr. Uh, Durald Wing Sue. This is a psychology professor at Columbia. And now Sue has come out and said, yeah, the book we wrote was never intended to do all of this. This is all wrong. He said that... Uh, that universities are taking the research way too far. (laughs) Rather than just using it as a tool, his work is being used to punish or shame students. He said that was not the concern. Their attitude was, and when I listened to their initial explanation from their book, yeah, it was unnecessary to write this. People are too sensitive. But at least I understand what he's saying. And the book was more of a, we all come from a different place. Some things are going to bother you that may not bother somebody else. Maybe keep that in mind. We can all get along a little bit better. All right, I get that. He said it's now being used to punish people. His co-author said, I was concerned that people who use these examples would take them out of context and use them in a punitive rather than exemplary way. People who engage in microaggressions are oftentimes well-intentioned, decent individuals who aren't aware that they're engaging in offensive behavior or comments to somebody else. And the co-author said, that their research is often used to suppress alternative viewpoints, something they never intended. Do you think they're concerned about this now? No, they found this little term, this thing that can drive more of their let's control what people say and do agenda, and they're just going to keep running with it. We respond with micro-concern. That's the way forward. Doc and Skip in for Glenn Beck and the Glenn Beck program. Glenn Beck. Yeah. Want to get away to beautiful Las Colinas, Texas? That sounds nice. Bask in an abnormally large concrete building? Sure, why not? With an inexplicable round window on top? Yeah. Have your shoulders massaged by a heavy breathing talk show host and his large manly esque hands? Oh, well, I don't know about that. Great. Oh, it's okay. I don't. It will blow your mind. Oh. If you'll be in Texas and want to attend a taping of the Glenn Beck program, write us. Tickets at glenbeck.com. Massage not included. Lotion sold separately. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, uh, the tweets are coming in, the hashtag what I learned today. We're also using overheard on Loretta's plane. Those two uh, on Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Yeah, we had an EJM tweeting at us. Mike Rowe apparently has a brother named Mac Rowe who has aggressions too. Mac and Mike Rowe, the Rowe brothers. Yeah, very aggressive people. Yeah, that's uh, troubling how aggressive they are. Steve also tweeting, hashtag what I learned today. I disagree. Any complaint of microaggression requires a macro reply. <laughs> Very macro. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually kind of with you on that. Okay, I'll give you that. You're talking a complete smackdown, a complete rebuke of it. 
I do like the micro, just, eh, whatever. Okay, too. I have macro. Okay, maybe I have micro concern, but a macro response. Okay, see, now that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You actually have to go ahead and make sure that it, it, it faces with whatever is, uh, you're, you're met with. So Some of these stupid microaggressions, I just... Okay, Skip, I'm going to give you some of them that I just saw on a website, some of the ones. People tweeted out pictures of signs, like uh, there's an Asian girl who put, no, where are you really from? Like people would say, where are you really from? She says, you know, like, hey, I'm from Florida, whatever. No, where are you really from? Meaning, what's your heritage? That type of thing. So uh, are, are, you, are you concerned if somebody says that to her? Are you really bothered by that? No. She's claiming the microaggression. So what would appropriate response be? Maybe like a thumbs up? <laughs> thumbs up. Like, oh, yeah, all right. We're good. Thumbs oh, up. Oh, gotcha. Understood. Something like that. A thumbs up is a good a thumbs up. micro response. Well, like maybe like, like a high five. Okay. I like the uh, shoulder shrug. Mm, okay. Okay, that works eh, too. Something like that. Nah, all right. Something like that. All right. We'll try to come up with some others, and if you have any, let us know via the Twitter at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Some of your calls coming up. We're going to talk to us about some of the terror attacks recently and your government's response because a bunch more terror attacks over the weekend around the globe. It's a pretty serious one. Even some Americans killed. So we'll touch on that and get the government's response. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Three professors blamed the terror attack in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub on, quote, toxic masculinity, ultranationalist discourse, uh, ultranationalist discourse, and wide availability and fetishization of weapons. Really, I thought it was just more about a terrorist who's crazy. See, that's what I thought, but see, you're not a professor, neither am I. These educated people know it's toxic masculinity, ultra-nationalist discourse, and the wide availability and fetishization of weapons. Okay. That's what it's really Let's start about. off with the toxic masculinity. What does that even mean? Well, masculinity is toxic, right? I mean, look around society. Look at the, uh, you know, the masculine society. The patriarchal society we well, live in. Okay, if that's the case, why would he have gone after a gay nightclub as opposed to a gym? What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean if, if, if you want to talk no, about... No, no, he, he was ultra-masculine, saying those, those homotype sexuals have to be exterminated. See, that's what it's about. Okay. See, that's... And how many of these shooters are women? Never had any woman shoot somebody, no, ever. No, we have. We, we definitely have. Oh, These three professors wrote these essays that appeared on some sort of blog site at Ohio State. Now, none of them work for Ohio State, but they work for other universities. And I want to share a little bit of what they wrote. Um, First of all is Marina Ortega. She's a philosophy professor at John Carroll University outside of Cleveland. And she wrote, and help me understand this because it's a little confusing. The anger sprouts many branches. 
Infusing our breathing with fire when we hear that government employees find, find it unbearable to see the rainbow flag flying half-mast in their buildings when hateful followers of some pitiful but horrendous marginal church will decorate, excuse me, desecrate, I can't say the word, desecrate, desecrate, desecrate the deed and pierce their loved ones with their hateful speech and their miserable signs and voices because they all think they are loved by some made-up god of hate. She's, she's a professor at John Carroll University. Okay, she's crazy too. John Carroll University is a Catholic school. Wow. So she wants to point the finger at other people. What does your religion say about that, professor? You're a professor of philosophy, and she's supposedly talking about love here. Who are you calling out? That's a good question. You see what I'm saying? Even if she says, well, according to my religion in that, that uh, they're, they're all being hateful, so they shouldn't be doing this. Th- okay, great. You're being hateful in return by calling their God their made-up God of hate. They're not seeing their God as one of hate. They're seeing God, their God as one of laws and rules. They believe, wrong or right, I'm not talking the terrorists, I'm talking about the people that object to some of the stuff in society that she, the professor, supports, maybe even homosexuality. That seems just a little bit hypocritical. You know why that is? Because it's hypocritical. You're a professor at a Catholic school and you wrote that. Lawrence LaFountain Stokes. He's a a professor. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Professor LaFountain. (laughs) Yeah. Latina Latino Studies professor at the University of Michigan wrote, again, this is about the Pulse nightclub attack in uh, Orlando. Self-evident that to be queer and Puerto Rican or Latina slash Latino in the United States is strange and at times profoundly dangerous. It's profoundly dangerous to be Latino in this country? I think it's proven, hasn't it? How? How is it... (laughs) More dangerous than being white or black or Asian. I mean, you even have a, a bit of an argument if you say it's, it's dangerous to be a Chicagoan. I'll give you that. That it's makes a little sense. more sense than being Latino. We're not being gunned down in mass because of your race. There are some knuckleheads that do that, but that is not exclusively based on your race being Latino or Latina. It happens to white people because of their race and blacks and Asians and everybody else. So that's nonsense. He said, what's worse, these challenges come along with the general risks of life in the U.S. Given the prevalence of weapons, profound social inadequacies, lack of comprehensive medical health care, and in some cases basic health care, and the rise of xenophobic, ultra-nationalist, and extreme discourses that we face. He said, while love, understanding, and forgiveness are powerful tools that help us to heal and honor our victims and dead, anger, fury, and rage are also useful at times and absolutely necessary emotions that we must tap into to address the profound violence we suffer at the hands of individuals, uh, anti-democratic governments, and repressive states. He's saying these people are wrong because they're filled with hate and they're doing these hateful things. Yet sometimes those people, it's okay if they're hateful and do hateful, violent things back. Love's great, but not when these people are being treated poorly. Is that the right attitude, Skip? I would say no, of course not. I mean, that's incredible that a professor writes this. 
Well, and, and, and again, that's, I think, one of the fundamental issues we have with our universities these days, too, is that these professors are, are the majority. Most of them seem to believe and think like this. Whenever we hear stories about, oh, this wacky college professor did this, it's always that same type of stuff. And these are the people that are teaching our kids. And the funny thing is, most people do not believe this nonsense, nor do most kids. They are brainwashed by these professors. But given the opportunity to sit down and hear sides of arguments, because I've done it and I've been there, most Americans can agree that most of this stuff is nonsense. But we're led to believe that this is the right way forward and the only attitude that's acceptable by these knucklehead professors. What have they missed in this entire thing? Some guy murdered people, regardless of their gender or their race or religion. Some knucklehead perpetrated a terrorist attack on these people, and they want to use all of this stuff. This is Rahm Emanuel's never let a, a disaster go to waste. They're using this. They're standing on those dead people in order to push this crap. Listen to what the third professor wrote. This is uh, Professor Marcia, whatever, of Santa Cruz's Feminist Studies Department. Now, what did the other ones, what were their perspectives? You heard what they were, right? This is a Feminist Studies Department director. Guess how she approached it? It's a, it's a feminist. It's a male problem, right? Women are being kept down. We in the United States, the professor wrote, are also steeped in this culture of masculinity, militarization, and violence. I trace this back to deep patterns of colonial violence that allow and empower men to terrorize everyone. When 98% of mass shooters are men, we cannot ignore the connections between violence and masculinity. The Orlando Pulse shooting is a manifestation of colonial terror, not the epidermal, epidermal terrorism that the U.S. constructs its other. Not the epidermal terrorism, Skip. It's colonial terror. How does this go back to the, to, to the colonies? What, what she's saying here is this is not terrorism as Doc Thompson is saying it's terrorism. It's masculine terrorism. Oh, it's terrorism from men dating back centuries. Colonialization. She said, for whatever his confusion or motive... Uh, you want to take this, Skip? For whatever the terrorist motives or confusion. He was pretty clear about his motive. He wasn't confused? What was his motive? He was pledging allegiance to ISIS. Are you sure? Yes. He wasn't confused about that? 911 calls. I mean, he, he clearly did this based off of his warped view of what Islam is and should represent. What you're saying is the only person confused here is the professor. Yes. Whatever his confusion or motive... He was confused about it? Do you? Think about how she wrote that. Whatever his confusion or motive. So she's saying he was just confused. He was on his way to the gay club to pick up some dudes and got confused and decided to shoot the place up. He was confused. I mean, obviously, she would not mean confused in his sexuality. Confused in what? His ideals? That's a confusion. See, I'm normally a rational, law-abiding citizen I just got confused today before I murdered a dozen, couple dozen people. See, I was confused, Your Honor. He clearly Sorry. wasn't confused. I mean, he had the wherewithal to, I mean, pack several magazines. The only way he was able to uh, kill that many people and shoot so many rounds off is he had to have had six, seven, eight, nine, however many magazines that were already filled. There wasn't a confusion about that. Is it possible he got confused and believed it was a super soaker? Unlikely, possible. I would say. Unlikely. 
I'm not going to say it's impossible mm. because I'm not that guy, but I'd say it's unlikely. Is it possible he got confused and thought he was playing Grand Theft Auto? Five. Okay, that's possible. Is that possible? It's, yeah, it's real. It's, it's life. This professor just said of the terrorist, whatever his confusion or motive, not and motive, confusion or motive, could have been just confused, could have been motive. But regardless, she said, Omar Mateen worked in private security. See? Whatever his confusion was, he worked in private security, Skip. So. What is, what that, what, that's irrelevant. She said he purchased his assault weapons legally and was licensed to carry them. See? She said he chose his target, the nightclub, apparently out of rancor for issues he himself may have been struggling with. So see, he was a security guard. Militarization. We, sh- I guess, shouldn't have security guards. These are professors teaching this. Did you think that she actually believes that? Or yes, is this I do. part of their narrative they're trying to, to push? Here's how this nonsense starts off. Let me, let me walk you through the psyche as best I can, as best we can understand the craziness that is the progressive po- uh, uh, professors like this. These are people who start off feeling bad about themselves in life, as we all do. You're a kid, you're the fat one. You're picked last, your mom didn't love you, your dad left you, you were abused somehow. Whatever it is, even if it's nothing that extreme, we all go through those larva years, right? You're a a young teenager and you just feel like nobody likes you, you can't get the boys to look at you or the girls to look at you, you're confused, all of this. Everybody feels bad about themselves at some point on some level. While most of us put it into perspective and say, hey, if I'm the fat kid, maybe I'll drop some pounds, chubby, and get in shape, and then maybe it'll be okay, right? Some people deal with things different ways. Some people never fully get it. But these knuckleheads let this bother them forever and say, it just shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't have to feel like dot, dot, dot. And it's all because dot, dot, dot. They are so emotionally unstable, borderline brain damaged with this stuff. They are almost unable to function in society. If it was any more crazy, the thoughts that go through their head, they would actually be in a rubber room somewhere. And I don't mean the affectionately named rubber room where teachers hang out and still get paid in New York City. I mean in an institutional, uh, institutionalized, in an asylum, because they cannot function. They carry this stuff around to the point that they go to school and learn and try to reinforce all of these wrongs that they believe that really is not a wrong. It's just them still feeling bad. It's still the little boy or little girl that never grew up, that never accepted, that never got confidence in themselves. That's all it is. And they spend their life reinforcing it around academia, around other knuckleheads like this. Misery loves company, and that's why they end up in academia. And then they research, and they write their papers and their thesis on stuff like this, and it convinces them they're right. The problem is not that they're simply too sensitive and emotional and need to be on some medication or go through some intensive therapy to say, hey, you're just like everybody else. We have all have some problems. It's not Pete's fault that you feel bad about yourself. It's your fault that you feel bad about yourself. Instead of that, they justify it with all of this craziness, microaggressions, masculinity, uh, colonialization, coming up with all these stats, twisting it, screwing this this round peg into a square hole, and then at that point, Skip, yes, they believe it. 
They know they're hurting. They've backed it up with thesis and reports and other people who go, oh, microaggressions. Instead of a mother or father slapping them on the back of the head with a little tough love and saying, knock it off. And if that doesn't work, then you need to go get some help. You need some medication and some therapy. You have a problem with you. It's all about you feeling bad about you. It's not about me. You want to feel better about you, you start feeling better. That's not mine. I got enough to deal with what's going on in my head. Doc and Skip in for Glenn Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So you know about all the terrorist attacks around the globe over the weekend. We had the real big one in Istanbul last week. But you may not have heard this part of what happened at that attack. That, uh, the, the, the attackers at the Istanbul airport, they had suicide vests on and automatic weapons. And at least one of them didn't get to detonate because of a cop. Did you see that? No, I didn't. The cop, the police officer's name is Yasin Derna. He took the guy out with one shot. The cop suffered serious injuries. He's recovered in the hospital right now. But he stood up to those dirtbags with a gun. Wow. One gun, one shot against the automatic weapon. He is he's somebody who responded in a reasonable, rational, and effective way with a gun and stopped one of those clowns. Imagine if you had other people like that. The chairman of Turkish Airlines says this guy's a hero. He stood by himself against the machine gunning, gunning terrorists with his gun and took down the terrorists with one shot. 42 were killed, 238 injured. How many more if this guy had gotten to detonate his vest? He was about to do it, and this cop just stood in there. Think about how many people got to go home that night to their family. How many people didn't get killed because this cop took a shot from the terrorist and shot him? That's where you're at now. You expect me, Skip Lacombe, you expect me, Doc Thompson, to believe in lizard men. That, that's where you're at. You've no, now digressed to on. believing in lizard men. Lizard men? I'm just saying, you're the one who brings up the lizard men like I'm supposed to believe in this okay, stuff. Well, first of all, they're called reptilians, okay? Let's get that straight to begin <laughs> with. Lizard men, lizard people, 
They're, Is that a microaggression? They're reptilians. Reptilians, okay? not lizards. Oh, you're always poo-pooing this stuff, but you can't prove they don't exist. Um, can you prove they do exist? There's some evidence out there that would suggest okay, they folks, exist. Okay, folks, this has been something. It's Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe in for Glenn Beck today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you want more information on us, go to theblaze.com slash doc. Uh, years ago, Skip Lacombe pulls up a video and goes, hey, do you see the lizard? Ah, the reptilians. Thank you. You see this? And he starts showing me these weird conspiracy videos of people that look like they could be, like, have little flashes that they're lizard-esque. What, like, is this like the TV show V back when I was a kid? Yeah, no, they- exactly, yeah. They actually just did, just did a reboot of that, too. Very similar, very similar in concept. They were reptilians as well. And I kind of shrugged it off and last, laughed. And then over the years, he keeps going, see this? Look at this. And he'll hold up his computer. Reptilian. Yep, there it is, another reptilian video. Here's the thing. Now, now I cannot prove beyond a shadow of a doubt or reasonable doubt that they do exist, but I can't prove they don't. Okay. Uh, well, and he just keeps bringing this up over and over again. And would like, see, no, you believe in this. Otherwise, you wouldn't bring it up. No, I do. I believe. I'm a believer. Okay. I'm just saying I can't prove it. Okay. I mean, there's a lot. There's things that I. Be, I mean, uh, existence of God or whatever. I have faith in God, but I can't. You have faith I in, can't the, in the lizard men. Prove that the lizard without, men. Uh, yeah, reptilians. In the rep- okay. Okay. Uh, so this is something clearly that uh, we we disagree here. I'm on. just saying when the reptilians take over, they're going to know that I was a friendly. A, Are you just hedging a, a friendly your bet? Is that human. what it is? Like I said, I can't prove they're fake, dude. So he keeps bringing up these videos. Every couple months or something, up oh, new new lizard video. He showed me one years ago of a Secret Service agent that was watching President Obama standing with President Obama, and I remember that one. And he's like, "Look, this guy's a lizard. It's a lizard it's guy." Stuck in your mind, didn't right it? Here. It just because it's crazy that you would say this. What did it look like? It looked like a lizard. Thank you. It wasn't, a, but just because it looked like a lizard, Nancy Pelosi looks like a lizard. Maybe she's a a, a reptoid as well. Okay, that's a bad example. That's a really bad example. It was draining the swamp. Lives in the swamp. See? Dude. Okay. Anyway. And then he says to me over the weekend, Skip says to me, guess what? Secret Service video? It's out. It's Dan Bongino. Which I did not know. Our, our buddy, a man I respect, does a great job. Talk show host, fills in. I've known he's running for Congress. I think it's Florida's 18th congressional district. Is apparently... A lizard man is what you're telling me. You believe that Dan Bongino is a lizard man. Um, there's evidence out there that suggests that. Okay, he come on, come on. Again, I'm not going to come out and just say that. Yes, I believe that Dan Bongino is a reptilian. But <laughs> I, I totally have to shut this down. You got this. Okay. Is, this story has plagued me. I have to call him. Oh, wait a minute, Dan Bongino's calling us. <laughs> what? Of course, Dan would be listening. That, well, of course, of course, uh-huh. especially when, when, you, when you guys, you know, I love the show. My entire campaign does. We have uh-huh. addicts uh-huh. to, 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 to your show. This story has plagued me forever. The <laughs> lizard man story. I heard you. I had a laugh. Okay, it, wait by a way, minute. It's the, it's the 19th congressional district. Oh, it's 19th. You okay. mentioned that. That's very nice of you, Doc. But I'll say this. In defense uh-huh. of Skip. I read a book uh, called The Black Swan, which I really love one time by Nassim Taleb. And he says in the book. Right. The absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. So technically, Uh, Skip could be correct. There could be lizard people. But guys, I have never been in a security room with a bunch of Secret Service agents at a site. Mm -hmm. They were sitting down, whatever, eating sandwiches, taking a break. The president's down. We got a post standard. 
and a guy in the room magically starts turning green like that guy from Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I've never seen this happen, guys. So I sincerely doubt the lizard well, story is accurate. Wait a minute. When you say eating sandwiches, were any of those like rat sandwiches or anything like that? <laughs> Nobody like guinea pigs down the, you know? Like you have a big loaf of Italian bread and out of the end is like a rat tail. And you're like, wait, wait, wait what is that? Is that calamari? Right. No, no, no. That, that's, a, that's a rat. They just took it. No, I've never seen this, but I've seen the video, uh-huh. the mm-hmm. lizard video. And I will say this again to defend my, my friend Skip Duck. When you uh-huh. look at the video, it is kind of eerie. And I don't know if it's the angle they took wow. that. Uh-huh. But Skip, you can't even defend it a lot. You see like the guy's ears just disappear. <laughs> And his nose at one point, it does look like he's transforming into some, like, lizard mutant. But I think it's pretty obvious mm-hmm. this isn't happening at the point. The now, wait, but that, that, that also is not you, though, right? The, the video, that wasn't you, the Secret Service agent. No, and that's <laughs> why I'm calling you guys. This is hysterical because this story has literally plagued me for, like, I think this video has been out for about two so years. So you're not he's, that lizard? Allegedly. No, I am not, though. If, there is, if Skip that is, lizard. in fact, correct and there is a subspecies of lizard men <laughs> secret service agent, let me just be clear. Skip may be right, but he is absolutely right. wrong. I am not the lizard secret service guy at all. I'm not convinced. So, so you're, you officially want to go on record now as saying you are not a lizard man or reptilian. Sorry. I, I am on the record saying one okay. of two things here. I, okay. I can't conclusively prove because there's you know, evidence of absence. absence. <laughs> right. That there's not a subspecies I'm not aware of. But I will tell you categorically that the lizard subspecies Skip thinks exist, <laughs> I am not a part of. I know nothing about them. I've never, I've never trained one when I was an instructor in the Okay, okay. Academy. all right. <laughs> we do the mm-hmm. kettlebell test and the mile-and-a-half run. I've never seen a guy do the mile-and-a-half in like a superhuman three minutes. And come in and say, <laughs> okay, hey, I'm one of those lizard guys. What, you didn't okay. know? They recruit us out of college, you know? Dan, let me ask, though, like, uh, for instance, like, for you to, like, get a proper night's sleep, do you need to be, like, near a heat lamp of some sort? Because or... <laughs> I'm cold-blooded. Yes, I'm cold-blooded. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny you guys bring this up today mm-hmm. on the show. Like, this is so ironic. Because last night, I have my daughter with me. She's out on the, on the stump with me campaigning. And last night, she's watching the, the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. And I'm literally watching the lizard guy who yep. loses his arm inject himself and turn into a lizard. And the fact that you brought this up this morning, because my daughter loved it. I wasn't crazy about the movie. And I'm right. thinking, this is just so ironic. But no, I am definitely not. I haven't Wait seen a minute, though, Skip, up, and he, I'm not that guy. He may be convincing me. He did move to Florida where it's warmer. Where reptiles do better. Well, I'd also like to point out that you know. if Dan Bongino were, in fact, a reptilian, this is exactly the type of thing he would say. <laughs> okay. right. You know what? And, and that's why my initial black swan quote is, if, if you okay. were the lizard man in there, would you admit to it? And the answer is, that's true. yeah, absolutely not. So, Skip, you're right. You know, good point. Now, you also do not self-identify as a lizard either, right? That's true. Uh, no, and uh, you know, if I was a liberal okay. and there was some kind of okay. uh, to leverage that, like Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. to claim some how that I was an American Indian when I'm not, then I would do that. But I'm not a liberal; I'm a conservative, so I identify as an American, not a subspecies of hyphenated American, like lizard American or okay. you know, lizard no human lizard American. hybrid American. Right? Have you ever produced or written a cookbook on uh, on how to cook uh, lizard food? <laughs> Have you ever done any of that? Nothing like that? No, no I, I, listen, I love the, the, that show, The Walking Dead. I'm fascinated with what they mm-hmm, have to mm-hmm. eat sometimes when they run oh, out of food, like acorns. Right. 
But but no, I've never tried like possum soup or or you know a, a okay. rodent hoagie or anything like that. No, I've never I've never tried that. No less produced the cookbook. Have Have you ever eaten guinea pig? Because I think that was the standard in V. They ate guinea pigs. No, no. Wait, wait. Live or dead? Okay, either either. Way. I mean, exactly. Oh, you know. No, no, I haven't. Either <laughs> okay, <way>. no, <laughs> all right. Good. Oh, Neither I heard one. It tastes like chicken with a little bit of salt on it. Little, no, you got to get enough wrong. though. You got to get enough on there. <laughs> You know, Skip, it just occurred to me, he's kind of steering us to the Walking Dead thing. You don't think there's... Zombie? Uh, is he trying to tell us something without telling us something? Read between the lines here? I don't know. I'm just, I'm very concerned about the whole situation. Okay, I mean, Dan, okay. I consider you a friend, and... Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I just, I'm, Thank a, I'm you. a little concerned. No, Dan, so people have, have said this over and over. This, honestly, they tweet this junk about you. Yeah, no, Doc, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm being deadly serious. I get probably an email a month and at least two or three tweets from some conspiracy theorist who swears <laughs> that not only does this lizard guy in the Secret Service exist and magically no one knows about him in the Secret Service, right. but that the lizard guy is in fact me. And there is some grand conspiracy. I'm not kidding. That's why I left wow. when you guys brought this up this morning. This, is, this has followed me for two years now. And, and then they don't let it go. They swear if it's not me that I really know something and I'm not saying. And then I was, uh, I was on Glenn's show once. And I said it's worse than people know in D.C. And I was referring to the politics. And people right. send me the video on Glenn Show and go, you were talking about the lizard. Word. <laughs> <laughs> and the, doc, that thing has been okay. on YouTube like a million times. I'm not kidding. It's crazy. I think I, I, think I saw it. So your, it's worse than you think was your code, giving people the little wink and a nod that the lizards are there. <laughs> yeah. It's worse than you know. Reptilians, man. Right. Reptilians. It's, it's not just one. It's multiple. It's actually mm-hmm. the entire presidential protection division is a subspecies oh. of lizard humans. So it's not just one. It's worse than even skip notes. They've infected the entire ranks of the president's detail, the lizard subhumans. You know. Okay, now here's right. my question, though, Dan. And just because you've been thrust at the forefront of this, not that you have personal knowledge, just because you know people have tweeted about it. Are they suggesting that the president is also a lizard and that's why lizard people are protecting him? Or just he's decided that that reptilians are the best, you know, personal bodyguards out there in the universe. You know, I've never gotten, Hmm. shockingly, a tweet or an email suggesting that the president was, in fact, one of these, like, subhuman-type lizard people, which is shocking because I get a lot of these... (laughs) He's subhuman, just not a lizard. Right, exactly. Like like a lizard hybrid human being. But I get a lot of emails and tweets about what the president is or isn't. But no, mm. never. I think they're just alleging that the security force has been infected with this li- lizard-human hybrid type beast out there. What, so what's their end game then? What are they? Okay, they've they've gotten them oh, in there. Domination, the service, world control, domination, new world order, baby. Yeah, they, but if it's not the president, well, would, well, I mean, now Barack Obama is, and I mean, it's ridiculous to, to suggest Barack Obama is a lizard, but the Bushes are. I'm glad you guys brought up V. I mean, Ham was my favorite character. I used to love that guy. You know, he's got the leather jacket, which is totally not tactical, Mm -hmm. but it looks cool on Mm -hmm. TV, right? But yeah, what's the? I don't understand. Like, what's the end game? Wouldn't you rather have the lizard be the president? The president, right? The president. It doesn't make any sense. There's no tactical endgame there. So we can debunk the liberal, uh, the lizard, excuse me, theories. uh, Throw them out. Okay. No, they are not true. Okay, so it's not true. You're not a lizard. You don't identify as a lizard. You are running for Congress. So you would be one that would, you would be the non-reptilian that we would send to Congress from Florida's 19th, right? Yeah, and I cannot debunk the, the myth that is not a myth. It may be true that there are lizards. Some. Um, Some at least in Congress. 
But that, right. that has nothing to do with biology. That just has everything to do with snakes <laughs> um, up on okay. Capitol Hill. That's more of the snakes. <laughs> it's like okay. snakes on a plane. It's like snakes in the Capitol. That snakes is, that in the is house. Snakes, right. That's, 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 exactly. That snakes is on the true. floor. Something like snakes that. Snakes on yeah. the floor, snakes in their offices, snakes in the Capitol. It, that see. is, in fact, absolutely true. How's the campaign going, by the way? You know, it's, it's going great. I mean, we're, we do what we always do. I mean, we grassroots it to death. I mean, I remember going on, you know, your network after the last campaign when we, you know, we barely, we barely lost that. And they, they asked me, uh, you know, hey, can we raise money for you? You need some donations. And I said, no, I, I don't. I think we're okay. And someone on the network saying, you must be the first political candidate in history to not ask for money. But, you know, <laughs> we're doing, I think we're doing what we do best. We're working hard. I mean, we're, I'm out there with my daughter. We're Waving to folks, we're knocking on doors, and I feel really good about it. I think, um, the, you know, the country's future is bright, guys. I just think we need some people who actually give a damn to get in there and fix this mess. Okay, so the 19th is an open district because somebody's retiring, and it's heavy, heavily Republican. So really, uh, the person who wins the primary will likely win the seat, right? Yeah, no Democrat's gotten <laughs> even close to this seat since the okay. modern borders have established itself. So the primaries are really tough fight, but I'm fighting a, a couple of really entrenched um, insiders. They're nice guys. I mean, yeah. I do personal politics, but these aren't exactly guys who you would associate with the, you know, renegade conservative movement. And it's tough. I mean, I've had a lot of people come after me, and that's fine. i got a thick skin, but and I'm all right with that. But it's not easy, folks. I mean, throwing your name on the ballot, I'll just warn you if you're thinking about it. You know, get ready, man. Get ready for them to throw the bowling balls at you. And they, they throw them hard. They throw them like wow. fastballs. So it happens. Uh, so your primary is uh, August 30th. Yeah, August 30th. Early voting okay. starts August 15th. And I just encourage everyone, you know, go out there and, and vote. You know, support who you think is best. It's one of those primaries we're separated from the presidential primary selection contest in Florida. So not a lot of people even know there's another election coming up. Okay. So just, you know, keep that in your head. There's, a, there's another primary. and It's really important. It determines who gets to go up there and represent you and conservatism and libertarian values means a lot all right please uh please tell your friends and family about dan bongino florida's 19th it's uh, early voting starts the 15th of august we'll remind you as well but please go out there and do that and dan i loved your campaign commercial one of the best campaign commercials i've ever seen it's really brilliant oh, thank you that's so it funny really because is i wasn't when they first sent me the storyboard i wasn't crazy about it and my wife who's the ultimate arbiter of truth said this is the greatest campaign commercial ever we are filming this She's the boss, so we did it. I'm glad you we liked did. it. Like no, it. I really did. I think it tells exactly who you are and what your concerns are. And I'm going to go out and tweet out a link so people can see it as well. It's at Doc Thompson Show. If you follow me, I'll tweet out a link. But all right, Dan Non Lizard Bongino, thank you so much. <laughs> probably not. Thanks, probably guys. not. Appreciate it. All right, Thanks Dan Bongino, who uh, checked in this morning after you were talking about lizards. So him just scurrying all across the 19th district. Back to the sun lamp right now. Back to the sun lamp. This is the uh, Glenn Beck program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. 
Um, okay, we a lot of tweets coming in. The hashtag is what I learned today. If you want to join the program on Twitter, at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe, use the hashtag what I learned today. So people learn some things. Uh, one uh, I see from JD, what I learned today, if a suspected reptilian calls in to deny being a reptilian, has to be a reptilian. But that's what I'm saying, man. Dan, you didn't make it any better for yourself there, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, according to some of the things I've seen, that reptilians are unable to deny being reptilians. That's one of the thoughts. That's, that's one of the theories. That's one of the beliefs. Well, that... he denied it, so therefore he's off the hook. Maybe he's an advanced version of it. I don't know. Maybe he's the leader. For it could be just that he's not. Possible. You know, possible. No, I'm, not, I'm going to say it's possible. Okay, give me some examples of, of, of how people will not deny it. Um, well, for instance, um, Louis C.K. was on a radio program a while back, too, and uh, mused that perhaps Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney were reptilians. I could see that. I could yeah, see both of them. Again, uh-huh. doesn't, doesn't, uh, but apparently Donald Rumsfeld refuses to comment on this. So he's been asked. He's been asked. It. In fact, I think he was on that same program months later. They got him on to do that, and he refuses to answer the question. So what is his response? He, he will generally say something like, it's beneath me to answer a question like that. Or, so he won't even like laugh it off uh, and say, come on. No, he refuses to. Uh, and, unless there's been an update over the past couple of years. But yeah, Donald Rumsfeld refuses so, to deny that he is not. So an the theory is, unless you can deny it, or, or reptilians can't deny it. That's part of their, is it a moral code or is it? I don't know. I don't know if it's, I mean, a, a physical incapability. I mean, they're aliens, so we don't really know how their brain structure is going to work. Okay. I'm not going to begin to to, to uh, believe that I understand that. So, but Dan Bongino denied it, so theoretically, he wouldn't be. Or he's the leader of the <clears throat> Uh, Mark tweeted, hashtag what I learned today, Dan Bongino n- never actually denied being a reptilian. He denied it, didn't he? Actually, no, you're right. He says, this has plagued me for many years. I don't think he actually said the words, I am not an alien, though. I think he did say that. We'll review the tape. We're going to have to listen to the tape. Huh. Uh, Bronze 3000 tweeted, thought I was listening to Art Bell for a moment there. No, no, no. We're getting to the bottom of it. We're exposing it. Uh, Off-duty mom also tweeting, Dan Bongino's actually 120th listener. Oh, okay. 132nd or 120th? 120th is what uh, Off-duty mama said. Okay, good. She must have some knowledge, though. Perhaps. Well, could like 120th deny that they're a lizard? I don't even know. See, this is too confusing. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I started this programming program asking what it takes for Hillary Clinton to to get arrested. What what does she have to do to actually get arrested? And now we found out it's certainly not to have your own server and uh, break the law with regard to uh, sensitive information, classified documents. It's not that because the FBI has just now recommended no charges for Hillary Clinton. The FBI director just released a statement that said they are recommending no charges for Hillary Clinton. He did say that she and her staff acted extremely careless 
they were, quote, extremely careless. That's amazing to me. But no charges. That is amazing that the FBI would use language like extremely careless while referring to the Secretary of State. The Democrat nominee for president was just called extremely careless by the FBI. If somebody was to refer to the Secretary of State as careless, that would be bad enough. That would be powerful bad. Remember, the Secretary of State, when you're at that level, what are you responsible for? I mean, directly you're responsible for for lives. Benghazi, for example, right? Your actions or inactions could cost dozens, hundreds, thousands maybe of lives in, in that direct role. You know, that you directly are the boss of people. You know, you're their supervisor. But then a little less direct is your role as Secretary of State. The, legi- the, uh, the treaties you put together. The diplomacy that you're engaged in with other countries, right? I mean, you're, you're responsible. So if you're careless in that regard, I'm sorry, that disqualifies you from being Secretary of State and certainly from President. It absolutely should disqualify you if you're just labeled careless. What about extremely careless? Joining us now from the Blaze Newsroom, the uh, contempt ambassador for theblaze.com. It's uh, at StuntBrain on Twitter, Mike Opelka. Uh, hi, guys. What did you call me? Not a the lizard con- man. The con- no, contempt ambassador. I think that's your official no, title. No, that's content ambassador, please. Content Are you ambassador. sure? That doesn't sound right. What does that even mean, though, really? Yeah. Anyway. So, Mike, you guys are following this breaking news. Hillary's not recommended that she's not going to be charged. And if I'm not mistaken, Loretta Lynch put out a couple days ago that she's going to follow FBI recommendations. Yes, that was her statement after she got caught on the plane with Bill Clinton for a half-hour meeting discussing, as we all know now, was uh, golf and grandchildren. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, yes, we got word today that there would be this press conference, and it's a a big surprise because – most folks thought there would be about a week of FBI review of Hillary's three-and-a-half-hour testimony. But when Director Comey came out today and said that no reasonable prosecutor would bring a case against Clinton in the email scandal, I think a lot of people were surprised more by the speed than by the announcement. But it's like you're saying when you have an FBI uh, director using w- phrases like extremely careless in the handling of classified information mm-hmm. and determining that there were 110 emails in the Clinton probe that included classified information at the time they were sent or received, eight of them contained top-secret information. So this will be a, a, a stain on Clinton, but without the charges, you wonder how long that stain will last. We'll see. Mike, uh, the fix is in. That's what's going on here. I'm sorry. I'm not given to conspiracy theories, as evident by my poo-pooing the, liber- the lizard talk last segment. But I'm, I'm sorry. The fix is in. That's the only thing that makes sense here. Loretta Lynch, over the weekend, after meeting with Bill Clinton, as kind of her explanation or follow-up to Bill Clinton, was, I'll follow FBI recommendations to what happens. And then all of a sudden the FBI comes out today and goes, yeah, no charges. How convenient. How convenient for for, uh, Loretta Lynch. Well, she just then will follow whatever Comey says. Now, Doc and Skip, we have to play the devil's advocate on this, too. 
uh, Rudy Giuliani, who is not exactly in Camp Hillary, came out, I think it was a couple of weeks whoa, ago. Whoa, 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 what, what, what? Rudy Giuliani came out, what? And made a statement oh, about I'm sorry. I'm this, sorry. Yes. this investigation. And he also remarked that Director Comey is a guy who's a, a man who follows the law, no matter what the connections are to the power structure in the country. So Giuliani seemed to say that he would respect whatever Comey's decision was as well, because he didn't think it would be tainted by any sort of bias. And that's, I didn't expect personally, I did not expect to see uh, Hillary being indicted or any charges brought against her. But again, the speed with which this came out seems to have surprised a lot of people. And at the same time, guess where the former Secretary of State is right now? Uh, getting drunk? I don't know. She's on a plane with the president, and they are headed to North Carolina for their first campaign rally. Remember, it was supposed to happen a while ago, and then we had the massacre, the terror attack in Orlando. And they're on and Air that, Force that One, stopped. right? Sorry? It's the president. The president's there. It's Air Force One. So uh, She's we're, flying we're on paying Air Force for this? One with him. So we're paying for his campaign stop, or is he going to try to say, oh, no, I also had another speech in the area, so that's the reason. Well, the, the presidents get to do that. You know, that is part of the deal. But it, it's uh, one of those things that with Hillary aboard, Trump has questioned who's paying for this trip, and he's brought that up as well. Of but this course, is, they, uh, they, they, that's what this is, a campaign tra- uh, a stop. And the American people are paying for this. And I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. I don't care if it's Trump or Hillary or a person I would like. This is absolutely outrageous. But it is something that has been done, like you said, in the past. I think the last GOP president or the last president to campaign with uh, a candidate was, was it Reagan? Yeah, I think it was Ronald Reagan. Wow, this is, it's just, it's wrong if the people are flying in there or if they're flying for a campaign stop or whatever. And let's face it, you're right, all the presidents do it. I mean, they, they fly to these fundraisers and that. They just also say, oh, no, I had an official duty in the area of doing something or whatever, and that covers them. But since I was here, I stopped in for that, you know, $10,000 a plate dinner or whatever it was. Yeah, it's we're nonsense. renaming a post office, but while we're here, we might as well have a $10,000 a plate dinner. Right, exactly. Wow, this is, this is crazy. I, uh, th- I'm sorry, the timing of Bill Clinton hopping on the little plane with her, with Loretta Lynch, and then Loretta Lynch said, I'm going to follow the FBI. And then all of a sudden, here it is, Tuesday after the long weekend. Yeah, we're not going to charge her. Nothing to see here. Just in, uh, giving her even more time to campaign before November. You know, get out there. If this was hanging over her head through, you know, September or something like that, it would potentially affect the election more. But this is Well, crap. I think this you're going is, to wow. see this show up in a, in a Trump ad or at least Trump tweets before the hour is out. I would pretty much bet on that. And this also, this whole dust-up over the plane visit, Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton, has given rise to, uh, I think, the newest defense out of Washington, D.C. And I believe Mrs. Clinton used this as well. Did you hear her on Meet the Press yesterday when they gave Chuck Todd five minutes on the phone? That's it. I think this is the only time she's really taken questions from the press in the last six months. But she said... Both Bill and Loretta Lynch said they would not do it again. They realized it was wrong, and they won't do it again. Isn't that what she said about the server? Wow, you're right. I realize it's wrong. I won't do it again. 
Yeah, try doing that when you're stopped going 30 miles over the speed limit. Officer, I knew it was wrong, but I promise you I won't do it again. How about robbing the bank? I robbed the bank, knocked over a liquor store, officer. I know. I realize now it was wrong. Uh, don't worry, I won't do it again. Have a good day, officer. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. It's very unusual, but it's, I'm starting to notice this, and I think uh, we'll probably go back and see just how many times people, and either side, have used mm-hmm. the I'm sorry and I won't do it again excuse. Yeah, yeah. And the good news for you, as far as that goes, there won't be long to wait before the next scandal pops up where you can see if it's applied as well. Probably not. All right. So uh, in this uh, same vein, the Blaze has a story up about the WikiLeaks uh, um, 1200 Iraq war emails from her private server. Yeah, those uh, those actually came out, um, I think, yesterday, 1258 emails that she sent and received pertaining to the war and including emails from her her aides and assistant assistants. And many of them contain articles relating to the war that were circulated among the team. It's um, it's all part of this bigger dump of information that's coming out. And again, this always happens over a holiday weekend when people are just trying to get back to work and not thinking about what's going on in the world. So I think once people wade through this, we'll see if there's anything else damning inside. Uh, there was the story that Huma Abedin's testimony about burning of the daily schedules. That, right. that seems to be getting a lot of attention from folks. Because why are you burning the schedule list of the Secretary of State and the papers? But they actually had a burn bag. Mike, here's the thing, and I laid this out early in the program today, and I challenge anyone to offer me a reasonable explanation why you would on one hand have a, your own private server that you know is not secure, and you go, eh, not, not a big deal. Not that worried about that level of security with, you know, all of my emails. It's not a big deal. But yet then claim national security is the reason you're destroying your schedule? That could be the only reason you're destroying your schedule as a secretary of state. In some official capacity, you thought this was going to be bad if the information got out. That's the only reasonable explanation. Yet, there's nothing that should be on there that would fall under that. At the same time, you say, eh, having your own server is not a problem. There's only one way those two things come together, and that is if you were hiding something nefarious. Well, and it also flies in the face of the actual obligation that those employees have when at the State Department they are not to delete federal records or destroy federal records. And that's part of the record. So there, there's more to come on this. This is, uh, this is not over yet. This is part of the lawsuit, the Freedom of Information Act lawsuit filed by Judicial Watch. So that is separate from the FBI investigation. And there may be more to come on this. Wow. I, I just, I cannot believe that those, they just keep going. The Clintons just keep going. I mean, I well, see nothing stopping them even beyond on, on the blaze on Hillary's emails that you can wow. go to. You know, we have a drop-down hot topic section. You can get all of these stories, Hillary's emails, or on the campaign 2016 drop-down. But it's, it's all there if you want to try and get it in the chronological order of how right. it all was reported. All right, that sounds good. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike, giving us an update of what's burning up the blaze. Just go to theblaze.com for all of that. Thanks, buddy. And stop with the lizard people, please. Reptilian. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Are you a lizard person? Oh, please. That's not a denial. He didn't deny it. See, that's the thing. Stuff's freaking me out, man. Okay, that's it. Done. All right, goodbye, Mike. On Twitter, it's at StuntBrain if you want to... 
inquire about his lizardosity, lizardness, lizard, lizard, lizardness? His reptilian nature. Okay, that's fine. This is uh, Doc and Skip pinch hitting on the Glenn Beck program. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. That is it, ladies and gentlemen, the end of the Glenn Beck program with Doc and Skip Pinch hitting today, regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us. But before we go, as always, let's find out what we learned today with the hashtag what I learned today. We learned that a microaggression deserves my micro concern and macro response. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I got that right. I think so. We learned that Michael Palka won't deny being reptilian. We're not saying he is one. We just can't. Won't deny it. You know, where's the denial, Mike? at stunt brain on twitter we learned from academia that islamic extremism isn't responsible for terrorism it's toxic masculinity and fetishization of weapons i'm not so sure about that one though learned from academia though it must be true they're smarter than us you know finally i learned that dan bongino is not a lizard man possibly a zombie just, you know. Awesome. Lacombe, what, if anything, did you learn today? Uh, we learned that overheard on Loretta's plane, this isn't nearly as nice as Epstein's. <laughs> also learning, if you have room in your life to be offended by microaggressions, your life is too good. First world problem. Exactly. We learned that I can't confirm Don Bongino's a reptilian, but I can't prove he's not. That's true. That's a really good point. And last but not least, we learned that masculinity is more responsible for Orlando shooting than rad- radical Islam. What, if anything, did the listeners learn today? Uh, Momentarian learning, a microaggression is made by a microaggressor who is overcompensating. Okay, yes, you got that right. Very good. Good. Uh, Mark T learning, hmm, do I vote for the acid pool guy or the furnace sauna guy? Decisions, decisions. (laughs) Uh, From Bacon Inspector learning, Hillary gets to the... This is an ideal situation for Hillary. uh, Yeah, what's the ideal situation? Hillary gets to the dressing room of convention and assistant hands her an orange pantsuit. (laughs) (laughs) That would be brilliant. Orange pantsuit. That would Uh, be good. More a hashtag overheard on Loretta's plane. Uh, Loretta says hello. Bill says Vince Foster. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, Bob blah blah learning. Uh, although her voice is painful to listen to, it'd be great to hear Hillary give a concession speech on November 8th. That would be. All right. Hey, um, by the way, if you would, please donate to Mercury One, mercuryone.org. We're trying to get to that $100,000 mark for the people of West Virginia, mercuryone.org. Sorry I didn't get those new numbers on procrastination. We will do them on our program tomorrow morning, the Blaze Radio Network. Just go to theblaze.com slash doc. Um, oh, we're on Pat and Stu next. This is a never-ending day today, man. Okay, we'll do Pat and Stu next. All right. that it? We all covered then? I think so. Okay, good. Remember, the uh, Glenn Beck program today is a Skip Lacombe production. Six Semper Tyrannus. Tonight, Steve Cannon. Wherever you are. Anyang, now. You go home. Pat and Stu next. Join us here at the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze.com slash radio. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury.